Welcome to the Widely Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Terea Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Tackett. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple podcast, share with your friends and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Okay, welcome back, everybody. So, Evie and I are very excited because for season two, we have our first guest joining us. And we wanted to talk about a topic in which nature helps our healing and wellness, but it's one of those topics that you can't really put an exact definition on it. Like, there isn't just one word for it. So, we're going to get into it. But we also wanted to introduce to you a friend of ours, Mac, that I know from Bound for Nowhere. And Mac, why don't you just first of all um, introduce yourself, who you are, and uh, then we'll get into some of these questions and talk about this aspect of nature that's so wickedly cool. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here, first of all. My name is Mac. I am a multifaceted creative who specializes in photography and filmmaking, and I have been living on the road for the last almost six years. Wow. In 10 days, it'll be six years. Amazing. That I've been living and working from the road. Very cool. Very cool. And so, you know, I talked briefly last time about a concept that I learned through Japanese culture called Shinrin-yoku, which is forest bathing. And a lot of people, when I talk about it, they're like, what the hell is forest bathing? And it's the idea really of immersing yourself in nature or in a forested environment and becoming mindful in that space, right? Not being distracted, noticing the critters, noticing the wind in the trees, noticing the smell of the earth and the ground and hearing the water and all of those things. Mac, you've been outdoors now because you live on the road, right? So how much time would you say that you spend outdoors? I would say at least 50% of every single day of my life is spent outside for the last six years, which is a pretty wild thing to be able to say because I used to be just an extremely effective weekender. I would just always leave town, try to go climb, try to go hike. I was greatly like raised in the outdoors. So it's always been a distinct part of me. But I think being able to format my life around being outside has been an incredible experience. And it's vastly improved my work, just my attitude about the world. I've learned so much. Um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time outside. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it because when we were chatting last week and I asked you, you know, what is the one element about the outdoors that you really felt had a major impact on your health and wellness? Your answer was presence, mm-hmm. which ties beautifully into this concept of forest bathing. So in your definition of 
this aspect of nature, whether it's forest bathing or presence or mindfulness or whatever, give us some examples, number one, or an example that you can remember. But Tell us what how you would describe it. I would love to hear it in your words. For somebody who like spends 50% or more of their time outdoors, like I would love to hear your definition of it. It's really funny because when you were like, I want you to be on for this topic called forest bathing, I was like, girl, I don't know what that means. <laughs> right? No, um, but I get it now. So I would say that being outside, if there was like one experience, I think that I have a I have a lot of experiences that I draw, like draw my inspiration for being outside from but to summarize the way that I feel being outside is can best be done on a longer format trip so this is going to be a single or multi overnight experience I think that when I have the ability to go into the outdoors for a couple of days it takes me a while to switch the way that my brain thinks about things. Um, I'm a very goal-oriented, a very driven from a work perspective type of person. And it takes me a while to turn that side of my brain off. So I wouldn't say that I get the same experience being outside if I'm just going to go for a walk versus being able to go and completely shed all the excess that life seems to stack on top of us. So I typically find around the second or third night, the best way I can describe it is I feel like I become the person that I'm meant to be, like the purest form of myself. And it is just this unadulterated presence only to what is happening directly in front of me. Um, It's a flow state of some description. And I think that I feel the most at peace in that state. And it makes me extremely hungry for experiences I know are going to give me the ability to go back to that mental state. Yeah, beautifully said. Touch a little bit more on this flow state, because I think in health and wellness, we talk a lot about the flow state and being in that flow state. Sometimes people don't quite understand it, especially if they're not a self-identified creative, right? Tell us a little bit about what that flow state, how that manifests for yourself. A a flow state for me, it's hard to access in other facets of my life. I think that because my work doesn't exist in one type, I don't do one thing. I've kind of, I've got all of these other things swirling around in my brain. Flow state is when all of that melts away and all that is in front of me is exactly what I'm working on, exactly what I'm focusing on. You know, if I'm surfing, that is all I'm doing is staring at the horizon and waiting for the next wave. There's nothing else there. I've been a person who really struggles with meditation because, again, there's just like a lot of background chatter that happens there. So I think that adding that physical component of being outside and doing something that helps me draw that focus in. I don't know that there's any better feeling on Earth than being in a flow state. Agreed. And I think... You know, when I'm outdoors a lot, or even when I'm on a hike, and I'm practicing that presence piece, I'm not listening to anything, no music, no podcast, I'm not in conversation with somebody, I'm literally paying attention to the sound of my footsteps on the trail, really noticing what's going on around me. I think that's when I experience that flow state. 
And there's something very magical and healing because as Evie and I know, we study the nervous system a lot and we pay attention to a metric called heart rate variability. And I know I can tell my body is shifting into a much different state from a nervous system standpoint in when that happens. And I'm guessing that that's exactly what's happening for you too. That's pretty incredible that you can see it on that level because obviously I don't have that version of introspection to look back on and to be able to quantify what it is that I am feeling. But it's it's amazing that that is being represented in, in the body in a, a notable, quantifiable way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm laughing because when, Mac, you started talking about just what it feels like to be present and how, you know, you're outside and you feel like you're in this flow state and you feel like all you're focusing in on is what you're doing. I, I, I noticed that my shoulders went down. I felt like my chin dropped. I felt like I took a deeper breath. Like today I feel I can tell that my, my breath has been a little bit more shallow and I'm not really in that parasympathetic state that Tere and I talk about. But just hearing you talk about that and envisioning myself how I feel when I'm out in nature immediately, just like this, this wash of like calmness took over. And so I'm laughing because I'm like, that is so interesting that just the thought of that did it. And just listening to you and seeing how you light up, talk about it, did that for me and just how, how powerful it can be. It's funny that you say that because my palms are sweating and that's what that, like the anxiousness for wanting that does to, to me. So yeah, feeling it. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So good. No, so it's good. funny. I mean, yeah, when when you step outside or when I step outside, right? Like I'm similar to Terea. I don't really listen to anything, especially in the morning because I go on morning walks and I don't want to listen to anything because I tend to listen to a lot of things during the day anyways. So I feel like I'm already getting that stimulation. I'm on social media a lot. I'm talking to people a lot. So the last thing I want is to start my day like that. And so I like to start my day as quiet and as calm as possible. And so when I go on these walks, I sometimes I don't realize what I'm listening to, but then other times I have to actively make that conscious choice of, wow, the birds are really loud today, or, oh my gosh, those squirrels are like fighting over there, or my I'm walking really heavy. Why am I doing that? And that brings such an awareness and that makes my day start so much more calmer because I think that, I mean, I think we all would agree, but I, I think that's how we were meant to live is to be outside more and not be in these boxes all day long of our house and our car and our work buildings and this and that. And so starting my day like that and really being conscious of the sounds and the smells and the way that my body feels out in nature has made a big difference. And when I first started, when I first met Terea as my coach and my practitioner, I, d I didn't have those cues. I didn't know what that meant. And so she's helped me fine tune that. So for me to now be able to say that and then talk about it on a podcast, I think that's really cool. So good. So good. That is definitely cool. I was uh, this past weekend, we were camping and we were joined with some friends and we got to go on a hike over to a waterfall. And it was interesting. We started talking about this concept of forest bathing. I mean, here we are in the Pacific Northwest in the rainforest. And so we're walking through this very thick forest with these lush ferns and waterfalls and rivers. And it was just a, a pretty cool thing. And, you know, talking about it. And it was interesting because one of the people we were hiking with had heard from somewhere. This was the first time I heard it, but it, it kind of makes sense that the more that we can get ourselves around nature and the diversity of the plants that we're around and the when we're inhaling 
things out of the air. We're inhaling things from our environment. And the more we can do that, the healthier our microbiomes become. And Evie and I like to geek out on a microbiome from time to time. And and so I that is light like... light go off in your head. Oh, You're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> totally, totally. Like, I can just imagine if I'm walking through a forest where, you know, the the forest floor is decaying and letting off different uh, compounds in the air and we're inhaling that stuff. How cool is that, that it helps out with the microbiome? So it's just a really interesting thing how we can so quickly become in tune with nature when we are finding that presence. And I think it's it's almost, for me, it feels kind of like a switch when that happens, like I can turn off the to-do list and I can turn off the notifications and I can turn all that stuff off and it, it feels like a switch. I don't know if that is the same thing that you experience, Mac, when you're out there. Yeah. So that actually brings up an interesting, um, I had a bit of an epiphany. I had a lot of epiphanies this summer, actually, but one in particular that comes up in this conversation is being relevant I was filming a salmon run. Uh, It was this creek and all the salmon were kind of gathered in this one pool and they were taking, so it's fascinating the way that salmon work and I won't nerd out too hard on you, but it's just this mass of salmon, hundreds of thousands of salmon were in this pool waiting for a very specific scent in the water to make the decision to go upstream. They're waiting for the scent in which they were born in because the water has a different smell based on the type of water year it was. God, I love biology. They're waiting for this smell. And And nature. They're sitting there waiting, sitting there waiting. And I'm filming and there's a bear kind of coming in and out, like grabbing salmon, going to the bushes. And I was just having this really incredible experience, like filming that whole scene And I was just so taken by the fact that a life cycle was both ending and beginning, like right in front of my eyes, but also seeing the different life cycles that overlap and that are a part of it. And I just kind of had this realization that I'm a part of that. And we live like we are not a part of the natural cycles that happen in nature the transitions of seasons, the transition from day to night. And I think that I've come to realize that the reason why I like living on the road is I live very intimately with those systems. I pay a lot more attention to them. I know that winter is coming when the light changes. Like I can tell by the temperature of the light that winter has officially started to come. And I just think that we as people feel good in those spaces because we are so barely removed from it and we are only removed from it with walls that we build ourselves and I think that when we return to those spaces our body recognizes it as being home that resonates a thousand percent it really does and you know Evie and I talked to our clients about eating seasonally and at first you know somebody would be like well why do why do I want to do that why do I want to eat seasonally but you, what you just touched on is 
so true that a lot of this goes so deeply into how we evolved and that we were once very much a part of the ecosystem in this way. Yeah. And when Abby are. and I, and we still are. And so when Abby and I teach people how to eat seasonally and all of a sudden they start feeling better because they're, I mean, to geek out on it, they, their micronutrient density goes way up if they're eating seasonally as opposed to eating stuff that got trucked on a semi for 1500 miles or however long it is. Right. Yeah. From if, Peru. Yeah. Yeah. I just pulled a sticker off an avocado and it was from Mexico and I totally rolled my eyes because I was just like, this avocado is going to taste so terrible than the one that is local. Right. But that is something that we're so ingrained in that from a biological standpoint that it, it's almost like our environment and our ecology that we are a part of and being a part of nature actually touches into our DNA, and how our cells express. That's how intimately we're tied into this, which is why I think this is such a strong pull for a lot of people to get into the outdoors so that they can experience this. And there are so many people on this planet who haven't even gotten that gift yet. Yeah. Yeah. I heard some crazy statistic like 70% of all Americans have not seen the Milky Way. And like a, it crushes my soul to know that just because I think that we see ourselves as living outside of this system because we just don't participate in it as, in enough. We're not in awe of it enough because we are that same, that same system. And the thing is like, you just, you see things repeated, you see patterns and textures repeated on the ground and on my skin. And, and it's just impossible to ignore that nature is us and we are nature. It makes me think of the, um, I've seen a picture, it's a side-by-side -side picture of a tree and branches and then the inside of like our lungs and our nerves and all that stuff and, and um, our veins. And it just, and the picture is basically saying like, you know, we look so similar on the inside of what we see on the outside. And so what you just said reminded me of that. And I don't know if this is going to take in another direction, but I feel like in the last few years that I've had this kind of awakening to this way of life or this way of thinking, I think it's because I can speak from experience that I was very distracted by things in life. And so I didn't care. And I wasn't aware of like, wow, there's a lot out there in nature that makes a lot of sense. And this is why I feel the way that I do. And this is why I feel so horribly because I'm so out of touch with it because I was so distracted with what celebrities were doing and what my friends were doing and you know what society was telling me I should be doing. And since I've broken out of that and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I've had like this awakening of that's not how life is meant to be lived. It is really hard to ignore now when you see these things in nature and when you feel so present in nature and then you're like, why do I feel so good out here when I have less things? I, you know, I'm not spending money on anything. I'm not, you know, surrounded by, I'm not wearing the best clothes or whatever it is. Like, why do I feel my best in that situation when I'm so bare bones? And so it's made me think so often of like, what does that mean about what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis? And how much more distraction do I have that I think I've gotten rid of that I actually still am being distracted by? So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting when you mentioned that. And I can, again, I wanted to share from experience because it's been a few years that I've been this version of Evie. And I know that I will continue to evolve, but I can say that it was mainly because of distraction. And I don't think that I had, I had exposure growing up. Like I, 
I, you know, I used to spend my summers on the Greek islands. And so I would see these like villagers and these ladies who were like 98 years old, still taking care of their themselves and their land and all that. But being here majority of the time and growing up in the Midwest, I, I just, I think that I was distracted and I didn't really get a touch into that until now. And now like, I, I just want more. I just want so much more. It's like, I can't stand it. Like it makes my skin crawl sometimes thinking of like what else is out there that I'm not experiencing right now. Are you getting sweaty palms too? I think that's so, (laughs) they're right back to being sweaty. I will say, I feel like that's so important to like recognize that it is just a lot of distraction and I can't ever claim to have been immune to that. I've I've been there. I felt that way. And I think that we have to come back to it and we have to choose it. Because I think that there's so much more validity and value to something if you've chosen it as like a grown ass adult to like participate in it. But I think that that feeling that you're touching on, it took me a long time to figure out, to put words behind that. And I finally figured it out on the, I did the John Muir Trail. It's a 220 mile stretch of trail from Yosemite Valley to the summit of Mount Whitney in the Sierras out in California. And it was our last night in the morning, we would be summiting Mount Whitney and we were sitting there and it had been raining all day. And all of a sudden, like the clouds parted. I just found this like perfect rock and I was sitting on it. It felt like a lounge chair. I was like eating my backpacker meal. And there's like God rays coming out of the clouds. And I was just like, I feel wealthy, like so incredibly wealthy right now. And Owen just like, my husband just like laughed at me. I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, I have everything. I have more than everything. I just to just feel so good, so comfortable in your own skin with the clothes that you have. I was filthy. I was disgusting. I like I had been walking for two weeks to get to that point, but I just felt like I was on top of the metaphorical world. And I always equate that feeling back to just extreme wealth. Yeah, it's such a cool concept because when you say wealth, I hear abundance. And that's what I interpret as abundance is, you know, abundance can be financial, sure, but there's so many other things about abundance, health abundance and, you know, social abundance and just having that sense of I have everything that I need in this moment and this moment couldn't be more perfect. That's abundance. And that's part of this presence when we're in nature. And I love what you were saying, Evie, when you were talking about really making that choice and noticing that shift that is occurring between being outdoors and in nature and how you feel compared to when you are in your quote unquote city life, right? So finger quote city life, whatever that looks like for somebody. But I think that's one of the reasons why I do the weekend wire thing is because I want to make sure that my weekends are spent outdoors as much as possible so that I can continue to get this feeling that I tend to crave. And I notice it, me personally, I think I notice it mostly with mechanical human-made noise is where I notice the difference. And maybe that's because I'm a very auditory processing type person. But when I'm at home, which is a relatively quiet neighborhood, and I'm getting really annoyed at the leaf blowers and the cars going by and the kids splashing in the pool two doors down and, you know, that kind of thing. And I know that I can be in a more natural environment where all I'm hearing are birds and some wind 
and you know maybe some water if I'm around water. That to me is a much more present, calming experience than being at my house, which is in a quiet, relatively calm neighborhood. Yeah, I think all that stuff shows up as just like brain clutter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to just focus on what you, I think it's just all out, outside feedback. And I find that the less outside feedback I have, other than the stuff that I'm choosing to participate in, I, I find that I like the person that I am a lot more. You know, I think that social media and all of the millions of ways that you could compare yourself to another person, I find that once all of those things disappear, like I am completely valid in my raw whatever form I've shown up in that day. And I think that that is a really beautiful thing that not enough people are reminded of. And I try to carry that strength back into to day-to-day life when I come back and have to like check my emails and stuff. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's an important thing to experience and to be reminded of even if it's not every day. I wish that we could see brain scans of people from, you know, a couple hundred years ago and what their brains look like and how they fired and and you know what where the activity centers were compared to today where most of us are involved in lots of notifications, multitasking galore, and all of these different levels of distraction. I know that it's changing our neurology because that's something that Evie and I work on a lot with our clients is getting them to understand that there's a way that we can shift our neurochemistry around and change our neural pathways with the habits that we're forming and and the kinds of thoughts that we're having and the distractions that we're having. It's This is one of the reasons why I love nature so much because it automatically does it for us because this is where we came from. And so it's it's like you said, Mac, it's, it's like we're home. And it's a really interesting feeling when you can get to that place. Anybody else? Yeah. Abby, do you have any other questions? I was I was just thinking like I I was thinking of just how like the unrest that I feel when I don't spend a lot of time outside and how that gets more and there's like more angst and there's more irritability. And it's funny because now I can recognize it as like you've been on your computer for too long or you've spent way too much time on social media or you've barely talked to anybody in real life. You've just been DMing people. And it's funny because I recognize it now, but back then it's I I was like, well, I don't know why I'm depressed or I don't know why I have anxiety or I don't know why this. And it's like you weren't living the way you were meant to, right? You were just like trapped in this cycle of online digital, you know, food that isn't really food. It's man-made into making you think it's food. And so I just think this is all coming together full circle. And I was thinking, I was actually reflecting on a conversation I had earlier with somebody who we were talking similar things, not so much like forest bathing and all that. But um, he said, you know, isn't it interesting that in an age where we are, we're so connected, where he's like, I don't think we were meant to be this connected on this level, that we also have higher levels of mental health issues. And so I was thinking a lot about that of, you know, and Mac, you kind of mentioned like social media and like comparison. And when you are comparing yourself or you are seeing what other people are doing, and again, you're seeing their highlight reel, you're not seeing the reality of what's going on every second of every day. It is hard to not compare yourself to that. And so then when I do kind of strip down, if you will, and get into nature and do my own thing and kind of shut off that noise, 
I do feel like I'm coming back into myself, but it's really hard to stay there because our world is very connected in that way. So it's a balance that I'm still trying to figure out and that I know Tere and I talk to clients about. And, you know, like local clients that I see here, I'm they're about my age. And so, you know, when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, like a lot of your life does reflect and revolve around the social media stuff. So it's really hard to tell someone or make that connection for people. But again, it's like, if I can tell you all day long, like, yeah, go on a morning walk, or I recommend that you spend 15 minutes outside or go put your feet in the grass and ground or whatever. And it sounds so like woo woo, but in they're like, well, why would you do that? Or, you know, what's the benefit? I'm like, well, just try it and then see how much more of yourself you feel and see if you really need to be checking your phone every 15 minutes after you do that. Because again, I think it's going to recenter you to the point where you're going to feel much better and uh, more like yourself in the way that you're supposed to live versus kind of this like matrix, if you will, that we are living in currently. Man, I don't love that that is the analogy, but that is a very on point analogy for the world that we live in. So a lot of my work actually greatly does evolve around social media, which is a weird duality that I'm just now realizing that I live in. (laughs) But I think that the more you experience it, the more you know, and are reminded of yourself and greatly what you're capable of, because I think that that's another aspect that I really turn to being outside for is knowing exactly what I am both physically and mentally capable of. But I think that the more that you're reminded of that, the less distant it feels in moments of challenge, whatever that is like, if you're starting to compare yourself, I feel like I can always see it happening. I can shut it down early. You know, it's not a perfect science and we both win and lose at those battles on a day-to-day basis. But I think that keeping that perspective and being reminded of it often is only going to make you better at handling those kinds of challenges. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. And I it's a question. Yeah, go. I was just wondering, so Max, you've been doing this for six years, you said about six years. Yeah. Like, was that a big transition for you to be living on the road and being outside much more than maybe your previous life? Like, or was that just you wanted to be doing it so badly that when you finally got the opportunity, it was like your nervous system was like, finally, you're listening to us. We've been saying this for so long. That is such an astute question. And the funny thing is, I think that you're the first person to ever acknowledge the possibility of finally feeling home. Because every person that we've ever talked to about it, we're like, wow, that must have been a huge transition. I was like, no, you don't understand. I worked for two and a half years for this. Every single day, I drove myself to work in the vehicle that I was going to be living in and then had to pry myself out of that seat and into my desk. I wanted it so bad for so long. And I knew because I intentionally took a longer period of time to make the transition that there was no doubt in my mind by the time it happened, it just felt like this massive sigh of relief that I had finally made it to this goal that I had been trying to pursue for so long. And then there was actually like a slight identity crisis because it had been like my whole goal my whole life was like i'm going to be living on the road like i even got married and asked for car parts instead of like cute (laughs) normal things that people ask for on a registry my grandmother was very disappointed 
but that's what I wanted. It was to help me build the life that I was wanting to live after I got married because we got married and a couple months later we left. But I think that my identity had been wrapped up in to becoming this person that I am now that when I finally achieved it, it was there was a, a long period of struggle for me after because again, I've always been a like dangle a carrot out in front of my face so I can be working towards something kind of person. And then once it was the biggest goal I had ever set for myself. And so once I achieved it, it was both pure bliss and pure terror because I had nothing else to work towards at the moment. I love it. That's so inspiring though for people because again, I don't, and I don't know, maybe it's just because now I tend to surround myself with people who are similar to me and thinking this way, but there's a lot of people who are craving something like that. And just that, I say freedom, it doesn't mean that you don't work hard or that you just sit around all day and you drive around all day or whatever. You just drive across the country and having fun, like you still work. But I think a lot of people are craving that sort of autonomy and that adventure and that curiosity that Terea talks a lot about. So I think it's cool to hear that and know that it did. It was a process for you. It's not like you just up and decided one day, like we're going to move into a van and we're going to just drive. Like it was a process that you worked hard for. And um, so, yeah, I just, I think that those stories are important to hear. Cause again, I, I didn't know that. So it's good for me to know that and also see how it all is full circle for you now. Like it, it, although it was scary and there was some terror, it did feel like you were coming home because again, you now feel like you are home because of what you're doing. Yeah. I will say that this experience instilled a sense of my capability in me because anytime I feel like I'm in like a a bit of a flux transition phase in, in my life right now. And I feel like the one guiding light that I always return to is that I have proven to myself that I can take a massive change and implement it into my life and I can see it through. If I can do this, like seriously, if I can do this, anybody can. I, I truly believe that and anybody can do it. You just have to want it bad enough. You have to break goals down into smaller digestible pieces because you just need to be like you know we're again very goal-oriented people like you need to have these positive affirmations that you're making positive steps so like I was making these stupid goals where I was just like by the end of the day like I'm gonna I'm gonna find one thing in this closet that I'm gonna eventually sell by the time I leave but like every day I was able to go to bed and feel like I was taking a step in the direction that two and a half years from then was going to put me on the path to do what I want to do. So if you can do it once, whatever that goal is, whatever that transition or change is, if you can do it once, even if it's hard and it's scary, you can do it as many times as you need to in, in your life. And I think that since getting on the road, you know, our goals and our objectives in life have greatly changed, but we always, always return back to our ability because we were able to do this. Yeah, so good. And I think there's something really interesting about how nature can teach you what you're truly capable of. It reminds me that, you know, not everybody has to choose a life on the road or not everybody has to buy a remote piece of property in Montana or Alaska and live on a cabin and, you know, haul their water from the river. And, you know, it doesn't have to be super hard. It's just, getting yourself surrounded by nature, not only do you get that sense of calm and that sense of well-being, but that you also understand what you're capable of. And each, all three of us here, I know, have experienced that firsthand. 
you know, through some element of nature. And that's been something that I love about it is that it always challenges me and shows me how truly capable I am. And that's part of, I think, part of, you know, this concept of presence and and really being able to connect with oneself as opposed to being connected to everybody else. Yeah, I will say a new line of conversation that I have been kind of hearing about being in the outdoors is I think that for so long, being outside has been this very male, masculine, machismo dominated idea. Like you have, you're not outside unless you're summiting a mountain. And I won't lie to you. I love summiting a mountain. But if that's not your brand of being outside, if that doesn't spark your curiosity, don't do it. Don't do it. If your version or something that sparks your curiosity, it could be bird watching. It could be going to the park and having a picnic. And I think that you should never, ever settle until you find that one thing outside that sparks your curiosity. Because there, I guarantee you, there's one or more things. And I find that the more like you find one and then it snowballs into a ton of other interests like in the outdoors. So I think that you should just never settle. You should always like go for a walk or a hike. If hiking is not for you, that's fine. It's not for a lot of people. Try fly fishing, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bravo. There's a lot of really good stuff there. Yeah. Endless, endless opportunities. Yeah. And I love that because I'm not like, I don't really think I'll be climbing any mountains anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that like, I can't (laughs) love being outside. Right. Like I do. And I, you know, I, I want to explore more outside and I I want to have that exposure and I want to learn because who knows, maybe I love it and I have no idea. Yeah. I just, that exposure is so important to me that I just want to experience these things because if I love it, great. If I don't, great. Then now I know for sure that it's not for me, but I know a lot of other things that are for me that are outdoors. So I'm glad you said that because I think people get intimidated and they're like, well, what do you like? Then you need to get gear and what do you wear? And this is like a, this is like a culture and like, I don't fit into that culture and I'm not going to have like, those, one those people. You come to me. <laughs> I'll yeah. hook you up. I'll hook you up. Yeah, that's right. Recommendation. Yeah. Now yeah. we know. Yeah. Now I know I can contact you. But yeah, I, I think it is intimidating of like, I have friends that, I mean, there's not much hiking you can really do in Cincinnati, Ohio, but for the hiking you can do, I have friends that do it. And I've always been a little intimidated. And I have a friend who's like, we're going to do it together. The weather's getting warmer. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to show you these trails. And I'm nervous, but I'm really excited too because I'm like, maybe I'm really going to like this. And this can add to my thing. Like you said, it'll snowball and it'll build that, you know, kind of feed that curiosity of like, what else is there out there for me? Because I know that there's more out there for me and I just need to find it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it can be intimidating knowing where to start, you know, and I think for a lot of people starting small, starting super, super local is the best way to do it. Find, if you get on Google Maps and you search around on your phone, if you're looking at the terrain, any space marked green is a literal green space on the map. It is area that is set aside for public use, for public enjoyment. Go check that out, see what that looks like. And I think that you can build from there as your comfort and experience level grows. But I would say that my other biggest piece of advice to anybody who's wanting to get started is to never be afraid to seek out help in that realm. It feels like a weird thing to ask for help with, but like go to your local gear shop and see if they have a hiking club or if they've got 
a paddle club. There's so many different resources out there, so many different ways to get involved and to gain experience if experience is what you're lacking. Yeah, so good. So good. Okay, Mac, I think we're at the time of the uh, interview where we ask our popular question for our guests, which is, what one element of the outdoors does not have to be of all time, can be your current outdoor crush, but what element of the outdoors do you feel is benefiting your health and wellness right now? I would say like wildlife watching slash creeping. (laughs) (laughs) Say a little bit more about that. So I wouldn't, I've always been... I'm like, why are people into bird watching? <laughs> I think I've gotten really into bird watching lately. I don't know. I just, I love, they're, they're so beautiful. They're such detailed creatures. The way they move is beautiful. I, I've just really fallen in love with birds. And I think it's purely been exposure to being around them in a way that is confrontational almost to the point where it's just like you cannot I was in Alaska for the summer and there was bald eagles everywhere and it just felt like this majestic beautiful animal and to be able to have so much experience around them and the way that they operate has just sparked such a curiosity in me and I would say just like watching wildlife as a whole but I would say specifically bird watching I've gotten and what do you and think? Again, it's that flow state. You just have to pay attention. You have to sit still and you have to be quiet if they're going to hang out and if they're going to like do their thing around you. So you just have to, you have to be still. You cannot be a threatening presence. You just have to be there and to show up. And then you just like get to watch the spectacular show. Awesome. That was answering my second follow-up question, which was the piece about how is that helping your health and wellness, but you just described it, right? That's it forces You've got to be up. in a state of being <laughs> calm, right? And it, Evie and I know that is managing our nervous system, and that's something that we have to sometimes consciously choose to do. So super cool, yeah. bird-watching. Awesome. Yeah. And if you're looking at them through a camera, which I am most of the time, or binoculars, it also requires very good breath work. Ah, good, good, good. See what I did there? Yeah, (laughs) I like that. It's so true. You have to be so still. So you just have to be like very in tune with your breath, particularly if you're taking any photos or video. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. So tell us, where can people find you? Especially I know that you've got a lot of resources for people who are looking into getting into the outdoors. So where can people find you? Where do you hang out online when you are being connected with the rest of us? Tell us. Yes. Uh, so Bound for Nowhere on all the places on the internet, but boundfornowhere.com is our website and our blog. We are Bound for Nowhere on YouTube and on Instagram. And we currently have a 15 part travel series that also touches on a lot of introspection, natural history, wildlife, all of the things that I love all in one series. And it is rolling out on YouTube every Sunday. Oh my gosh. And I've gotten to see some of these episodes of this series. It's seriously one of the best things I've ever seen. So yeah, go check it out, peeps. You won't be disappointed. True labor of love. Cool. Thank you so much. And uh, we'd love to have you back at some point in the future. I'm all yours. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. This was a blast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the wackest symptom game, start testing to get better guidance, you can find more 
about Terea at terearodriguez.com and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Want to peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our optimized wellness community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of terearodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside. Outside.